Great. So, okay. So, yeah. so you're getting heard now because we're, we're recording now. So that's yeah. all good. Ian, I just have to ask you, just at the beginning of this podcast, because I do it to everyone, uh, the monarchy. Talk to me. I'm quite apathetic about it. Um, I've quite enjoyed watching the Meghan Markle and Harry relationship develop and break down some barriers. Um, I find it hysterical, the news coverage of the wedding, just because of the big deal they made out of so much of it, um, which just kind of highlighted how blue the royal family really are. Um Mm. Like the close up on I can't remember who it is in the, when when they started singing the gospel choir. Yeah, they did a massive close up on one of the like maybe Prince Philip, yeah. who was yeah. like just giving some crazy facial expressions of a very very blue blooded man. Um, mm. but other than that, and a racist. <clears throat> oh, and a, definitely a racist. A racist. He's yeah. definitely a racist. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Other than that, just, I, you you could take them or leave them. Yeah, I I I I failed to see the way forward. If someone could present to me how it could be. Well, the alternative, I guess, is Trump. Hmm. Uh, I, I think the royal family <laughs> have more class than Trump. So we're kind of, really? we're, we're winning at the moment. Okay. Just about. Yeah. Yeah. This is another podcast because I will just, <laughs> I will massively go into one. So we're not, I won't, I won't go into that. Mode. But it does bring us on nicely, Ian, to your um, things that are outraging you now that sits outside education yes where do you want to start well i can look at my obvious two which i guess could be talked about a lot trump which is very obvious it's outrageous how how that man got into power no idea uh there's a lot going on that seems very dark and under underhand and russian infiltration and dodgy deals and then there's brexit which is uh, a false promise like yeah um I yeah just, i just don't understand and then what's more outrageous is just the coverage of it like so much news reporting of nothing mm. like we don't hear about <laughs> anything now let's but, let's look at brexit in a minute so let's go mm. back to trump yep here's what i think about trump i think trump i mean it's pretty plain he's an idiot but he's a very rich idiot um and he's he's a bit like boris isn't he he's not as stupid as he puts himself over as to be as, as stupid as he looks or sounds. The thing is with him is I think we will have him for another, or America or the world will have him for another four years. And the reason for that is when he got into power, I was always thinking, you know what? If you've got a politician that tells you that they're going to make your country great again, it doesn't matter how intelligent you are or stupid you are, you're going to listen to that. And I'm not comparing him to Hitler, but... If you think about how Hitler got into power, because he was, we mustn't forget, he was actually voted into power. And the reason he was voted into power was because he said to his people, I'm going to make Germany great again. Look what they did to you at the Versailles uh, Treaty. They took this away from you. They took this land away from you. They took these peoples away from you. We've got to pay all this money. I'm going to make us great. You're going to go, okay, fair enough. So I think you've got a, a president there, whose foreign policy will probably end up destroying everyone. But what he's promising for America and for Americans, he is actually delivering. Whether we like it or not, 
He is delivering that. He's he, he and and even if he's not delivering it, he's saying the right things. I'm doing this for you, the American people. All this stuff that he's doing with China and Russia and these trade wars that are going to explode, he's turning around and saying, "Look, I'm doing it for you, America." They're going to vote him in again because I don't. There's no one else to take his place. I can't see anyone else uh, taking his place. And um, he's got a great fan base at the end of the day. But um, yeah, it's. Uh, it's scary. I think it was also an anti-establishment vote. Like there was so much rubbish yeah, going but on. Mate, he was, but then they also had, they, that, that that's because the Democrats messed up. Mm. If they'd gone for, um, yeah, Saunders, if they'd gone for, then mm. I think we'd have got a different vote. Yeah. And it was the choice. It was the choice between, you know, was it well, deep, she was blue, the devil and deep blue sea? Yeah. She was establishment. He was very much not the establishment, but part of the, what, He's rich, super rich, super, super uh, rich. high exposure. He's on their television, The Apprentice. He's well known. He's a brand. He comes mm. out with all sorts of crazy brands, doesn't he? Yeah. Get a Trump board game. Okay. Uh, so Brexit, what's your problem? I think I'm more outraged by the news coverage of Brexit. Like there's so much that goes on in the world that is far, far more interesting, more important than uh, an, a conference or a negotiation meeting that ends up with absolutely nothing coming out of it and so we're just like the whole world is muted for us because all we're hearing through the newscasters is uh brexit this brexit that this is what could happen this is what might happen this is where we are this is all the projections this is all the leaked documents we're getting from government and then we're not hearing about like good things that happen around the world but also all the horrible things that happen around the world so we're like we're completely unaware of our global planet when we have all this multimedia uh, capability yet all we hear is this constant drone of brexit 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 and it will go on for another five years because we're going to be either either not happy with the result Mm. or dealing with whatever the result is come march next year and it will just carry on and carry on and so things will happen like on the other side of the planet and we'll just be like we won't hear about it yeah i mean i I'll be honest with you. I didn't. I didn't really know which way to vote. When it came to the vote, I didn't know which way to go because the EU in itself is a gravy train, and I do think that we we are wasting a lot of money. Uh, the MEPs are on a. I mean, for doing nothing, for doing nothing and Farage is one of them. Yeah. But I tell you, the one, and I didn't believe any of the um, Remainer views. I didn't believe any of this. You know, do, do you remember they had the the big bus going around saying we're going to have a hundred, was it 300 going into the NHS? NHS. It's just every, every week or something. I mean, it's just so ridiculous. And I'll tell you the one, what actually made me vote to come to stay in for me was that I was looking and I thought, you know what, if I've got people like Boris Johnson, Michael Gove, Nigel Farage, uh, Nigel Lawson, uh, John Redford, Liam Fox, Aaron Banks, David Davis and George Galloway, if all of those people are telling me to get out, I am definitely going to stay in. And I mean it, that's the only reason I vote to stay in. And, you know, now the question is, do we have another vote, another another referendum? (sighs) Really, we shouldn't. But at the end of the day, if we were fed lies... Hmm at the beginning, then maybe, maybe we should, maybe it should be now, look, 
this is actually what's going to happen. Maybe I think we should have a vote on, do you want a, uh, a no deal Brexit, a soft Brexit or a hard Brexit? And then you, and, and you get some, I don't know who they're going to be, some people who say, this is what it means. Well, there'll be another one and a half million voters who didn't have an opportunity to vote two years exactly. ago. Exactly. And a lot of those step up yeah. and decide they want to vote. Yeah. Now because, they've heard so much about it and possibly were listening at the time. Yeah. Because they, they do, they also said, didn't they, that the, a lot of the, the, uh, ones who wanted to get out are dead now because they, the, 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 the older people. Yeah. So I think the longer this goes on, I, I just don't know what I think about it, you know, in a democracy really, whether we should vote again. And I, well, I don't I, know. I feel bad. I feel uncomfortable about it. I, I put down my vote to remain down to just sort of a simple ideal I have. It's like we're better together than in isolation. And regardless of all the money that's wasted here, there, everywhere. It was just the, the ideology of being together as part of something rather than going it alone, which is obviously a lot of people want to go it alone because they see opportunity there, but that's more, far more like capitalist opportunism rather than, I guess it's a bit socialist, but better together because mm. you have more buying power. All the trade agreements that have been talked about as part of the Brexit coverage I've always been talking about how the EU had like a major sort of like market to sell to other markets. So it has a bigger bargaining. And it, I guess like, the only argument would be that it, it got too big and was out of control. But to be, to be considered like the, the layman in any European country, Germany, France, mm. Italy, to say that I am part of the same wider community as them, for me, felt good. And I, I quite enjoyed that. And I didn't want to lose that because we will ultimately, well, I guess we'll still be Europeans, but we won't be in Europe. Well, the thing for me is, is I think you can compare it to, um, you know, Sainz, well, the Sainz, no, no, I think you can compare it to like having a Sainsbury's or a Tesco against the corner shop. We're going to be the corner shop. So the buying power stays with the big shops Mm. because they're going to buy in bulk. We're not yeah. going to be buying in bulk. So all this thing that we're going to get a deal with China, we're going to get deals with America. They're not going to come over to us and go, you can have it for this price because you're in the UK. No, it's going to cost us more now to get it to the UK. Therefore, it's going to cost. What it's going to do is there's no question it's going to put up our, our cost of living. Mm. There's no question about that. That That is 100% going to happen. Um, yeah. Okay, um, let's move on. Okay. So I want us to talk about um, funding and the, the so-called funding crisis. Um, so a couple of Fridays ago, there were hundreds of head teachers apparently marched on Downing Street uh, to complain about the funding... Uh, or the new formula. ...crisis and the new, <clears throat> the new formula. Um, and um, I, I, I was going to go to it, but I didn't go. And uh, to the outrage of some of my teachers, actually, really? who questioned me openly why I was... And why I wasn't going to go. I've never, I mean, I've never been a real sort of, I don't know what marching does. It does if there's lots, yeah. if there's lots and lots. But here there were like about 2,000, yeah. 2,000 head teachers. And um, 
you know, they all left school without permission. Um, so they'll get... To, who do, who would they get, seek permission from? Uh, um, chair governors, maybe. So mm. they all should be fine. None of them were in uniform uh, <laughs> at all. And uh, some were chewing gum, from what I can see. Uh, so, and they looked a bit... And they were... And it's one of my pet hates when I take children out. When you cross the road, you don't talk. You've got to be quiet. It's dangerous. They were yeah. all talking. It's they all were talking. walking in the road. They were walking in the road. Yeah. Uh, not really taking any notes of the traffic. So all bad, all bad. Anyway, the point is, I thought, let's have a look at this. I don't want to look too much at the funding formula as such for now. Mm-hmm. But I do want to accept the fact that there is a funding crisis. But what I want to do, I want to do two things. I want to see where education sits in regards to the the expenditure that, that you know, in regarding our tax, where, is that, where does it? Where does it sit in regards to how much money is spent on education comparable to, say, like, you know, the defence or National Health Service, stuff like that? Um, and then maybe we can look at, uh, oh, I want to look at, um, let's put it this way. I never believe there's, no, there's not enough money around. There's always money around. It's actually how that money is distributed. Yeah, two billion um, to Northern Ireland. Well, I, I rest, <clears throat> yeah, we rest our case. Yeah. Um, so what I want, so for what I would do first of all, um, I because um, I actually researched this, believe it or not, I researched this show. Okay, and um, one of the things I looked at is where do our taxes go? All right, mm-hmm. and I've all I've got here is the public. Um, expenditure for 2016-17, but nothing as much changed. Um, and we have what we've got, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. There's 15 um, sectors of government that your money is spent on. And um, I'm going to just talk about the top, uh, from number seven down to uh, 15. And then I'm going to give you, in no particular order, the top six, Okay, and uh, I'm going to give you the top six, and um, uh, I want you to put them in order. We'll take a break, then we'll mm-hmm. come back after the break, and then you can see how good you are in, in, in the top six again. But the reason I want to talk about the um, number seven down to down to fifteen is really it's not surprising for me what's on top. It's it's quite apt to see what's at the bottom. At the bottom, in fifteenth place, and so the the ov- the overall expenditure um, is uh, what is it? Let's have a look. Sorry, just bear with me a minute. The overall expenditure is uh, about seven hundred and eleven billion a year all right, of our tax money. Right, so that's yeah. the money that the government take in. All right, four point seven billion of that, which equates to zero point seven percent and it's the bottom of the pile, is our contributions to the EU budget. Wow. So all this talk about how much we're spending on Europe and stuff like that, I mean, I think if you if you were to take that on its, you know, 4.7 billion is nothing to be sneezed at, and yes, it could be spent somewhere else, but actually it's a drop in the ocean. We right. spend more money on overseas aid, 7.7 billion, than we do on contributions to the EU budget. And I'm not defending the EU here at all, I'm just dishing out facts. Um, apparently we spend 11.6 billion on culture. Any ideas? Um, Arts Council? <clears throat> uh, they don't get that much. Maybe, maybe. There's a section there for business and industry as well. But here's a question for you. Uh, number 10, 
We spend 15.2 billion on what would you say? Number 10. This is going to, sh- this is going to outrage you. If you're not outraged before you, you start this podcast, you're going to be now. The Royal Family. <laughs> no, yeah, I, would, I wouldn't have let that go. Um, but maybe, maybe uh, if it's not, no. Maybe the culture's the royal family. Uh, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Shall uh, I tell you? Let me have one more guess. One more guess. 15 uh, point. Above that on 17 is business and industry, and just below it is the cultural. Environment, we 11.3. Housing is 10.6. Is it the government itself paying themselves? It is. It's, a, it's, it's government administration. Fifteen point two billion, and they always get a really good rise in their salary. Government administration. Now that is something that needs to be cut. It's outrageous, right? Yeah, it's it is absolutely outrageous. Uh, anyway, I'm. What we're interested in is where education sits in all this. Okay. Yeah. So, um, what we're left with, and I'm, I'm. This is in no order because the job is you're going to put this in order, cool. right, to the best of yeah. your ability. We're going to go for. As I say we're going to come go for a quick break and then we'll come back. Um, but I'll tell you what the top six are, and in no particular order at all. You've got, uh, well, obviously you've got education, you've got uh, uh, defence, national debt interest, welfare, health, and pensions. Okay? Okay. All right, we'll be back in a moment. Defence has said inclusion of nuclear deterrent in budget harms ability to pay for conventional military services. Mm. Which means it's an extra payment somewhere, right? Yeah, who yeah. should be? They're arguing who should be paying for it. <laughs> all right, okay. So, all right. So, defense thirty-seven. Uh, what did you have in fifth? Uh, well, it was welfare. Okay. All right. I see what you mean. So now you right. Yep. National debt interest. Okay. Uh, that's thirty-nine point four billion. But the thing is, with that, if you look at that, that's the interest. That's not our national debt. Uh-huh. That is the interest on our oh, national oh, debt. That is. Countries with loads and loads of money. Well, we were just debating who do, who, who do we borrow money who as a country? Who? D- <laughs> <laughs> well, you can borrow it from Saudi Arabia, and then you allow them to they, kill they people. Yeah, without or you and then it from yeah, China and let them have a. Or you we, it from Dubai. Yeah, yeah, because they're going to all run out of oil soon, so they won't have any money to lend. Going back to Trident. Yeah. I've just found out how much it actually costs. Yeah, go on. So the estimated cost of the Trident program for four new submarines is 31 billion with a further 10 billion in reserve for extra costs. So that's 41 billion. Sorry, can I just say, a T-boy... Yeah, which is good. Sorry, T-boy was interrupting me, so I didn't hear a word you said. (laughs) If you'd just like to repeat that, (laughs) you would tell the T-boy The Trident program in this article is estimated to cost 31 billion, where they will add 10 billion in reserve for extra costs because things will always go over budget. So that's 41 billion for the Trident program, which is already more than the defence budget. Yeah, so it's... But it's spread across years. It's, yeah, it's 20 years, I think it is. It's ridiculous. Um, but uh, but we're, but we're, we're we're both down anti well I'm definitely anti Trident I've been yeah. been for a long long time but uh, yeah. all right so national debt now here's the thing and this is what this podcast is all about boys and girls okay education is, is fourth so here's the thing right I'm pleased with that if you take the Trident out thing because I was really outraged thinking that we would spend more on our defence yeah. than education but let's pretend Trident doesn't exist. Mm. We are spending more on education. But what's the number on education? 87 billion. And debt interest, 38. No. Yeah, 39. 39. Yeah, it's bad. Mm. It's, all, it's all bad. 
sorry, T-Boy, before you came in. Yeah, you can take a picture. Before you came in, we were saying, you know, one of the, the expenses, our taxes, 15, was it? 15 billion is spent on government administration. Oh, yeah. What the- 15 billion. By the way, we decided we can't swear here because because we're... we're bureaucracy. 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 Yeah. What's the point? What is the, what is the point? There's a song there somewhere, but anyway. Um, so 87 billion... Fifteen billion. That's how to run government. To run the government. Badly. Yeah. National. Yeah, it's all bad. Brexit. So you know when I look at that education, right? And you think eighty-seven billion. You know, sometimes when they say, "Well, we're going to put this million into into more teaching assistance or a a million, it's a drop in the water. What they're talking about. It really is a drop in the water. It is in the in the. It's. It's a lot of money. And again, it's where that money's been spent on. But we can go back. We're going we're gonna to come back to education in a yep. minute, right? Okay. Yep. Even though this is an educational-based podcast, we're going to leave education. What's we're going to continue. What's it called, Steve? It's called Educationally Outraged. I am outraged. Yeah, I am outraged too. <laughs> I'm outraged with this tea. <laughs> I'm happy with my tea. Good, good amount of sugar. sugar it's nice. Sugar. It's, it's an icing sugar. Has that got sugar in it? Yeah. Oh, live on air. I've broken my no sugar thing. Mine had no sugar. Well, don't you want sugar in yours? No. No, I'll, sorry, I'll deal with it. <laughs> Go back to sugar now. Okay. Um, right, third, and this is the one you got right, mate. Hey. Yeah. State pensions cost in this country 91, well, it's 92 billion at least now. Mm-hmm. 92 billion. And that is the big black hole that everyone's talking about because that is only going to grow. That's going to get bigger, yeah. So that's a real problem. Have you got a picture of the, um, the real list? Yeah. Because I'm getting confused. It, it, this is becoming yeah this was day. before you, yeah this was Ian's choice and he's only got one right out of six but it's, it's well now, now we've told you so second place come on then both of you then welfare welfare health Ooh. NHS right. yeah NHS mm-hmm. NHS is 144 billion right and whatever you say about NHS, I've been in a hospital recently. I know lots of people that have been in hospital. It's 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 amazing, you know. It is, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, uh, T boy showing us his ankle now, which we'll put on the website. Um, <laughs> it, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I love the NHS. I just think it's uh, badly managed. It's badly managed, That's but of bad governments over the last. Well, I think, the, uh, again, let's let's move away from education, from our educational outrage podcast, but health, the NHS, it's just amazing. It's greatest asset. It, 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 I had an operation not long ago and it, you, I, I couldn't have got better if I was gone private. Yeah. That is truly an amazing uh, thing that we have in this country. Top of the pops is welfare. Mm. Now... Welfare, and I know this has def- uh, definitely gone up in this last year, but in front of me is Top of the Pops with $173 billion. What does welfare actually well, encompass? Well, when that is now split, it's split the following. Again, this is about a year old, okay? All right. $2 billion on unemployment benefits. All right. I'll try and do this in order. Dun, 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 dun. dun, 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 dun. 
25 billion housing benefits. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, 35 billion personal social services and other benefits. So your social, so your, 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 your social. social workers and stuff yeah. like that. Right. And they've actually included in this pensions, which we've already spoken about. Yeah. Okay. But outside of that, um, is incapacity, disability and injury benefits, 44 billion. Wow. And, and top, which uh, obviously it was a different chart I had. They still have pensions as welfare is, is I mean, for this one here, it's 111 billion. So I'm I'm sort of relatively pleased that uh, we are um, education is it, we spend more on education and defence that makes me happy yeah and but we do have a funding crisis um, but it, for me it's not because the money's not there it's where the money's being spent so I think this would be a great time to uh, uh, attack free schools the free schools program yes yeah so look I'm I'm a head teacher and. I know a little bit about academies. I know a little bit about free schools. But if you were to ask me the real difference between a free school and an academy, I couldn't really tell you. But what I can tell you is I believe free schools are an utter waste of money and they have done nothing to further the education standard of children in this country. And I am full agreement and becoming more enraged as we do the research live. <laughs> yeah. So... The company you're, or the, the, the part of the Department of Education you were talking about was uh, Education Funding Agency. That's the one. However, in 2016, August, the Department for Education uh, created a company called Locat Ed, capital E, capital D at the end, and uh, gave it $2 billion as a war chest to ensure it delivers 500 new schools by 2020. So... That's a huge wedge of that education budget going yep. to them. Yeah. And th- what's disturbing is that they set up a company. So I wonder if it's on company's house. Uh, Probably not. It, well, <laughs> well, if it is, it, it, it means they're, they're having to pay lots of people to find these sites. Oh, yeah. And yeah. put in probably loads of requests to claim back VAT and stuff like that yeah. to pay their employees. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got some information there. Yes. Of how much money has been spent on free schools. So yeah, whilst we've been talking, I did a quick search to find out whether free schools are worth it. And uh, thanks to Tom Richmond, who's writing in Schools Week. Uh, oh no, sorry, my beg my pardon. Uh, yeah, no, Schools Week opinion. He did some of his research and this was released in January this a great, year. Great, a great, uh, a great um, publication. Yep. Schools Week. He's got a, a stat of since April 2017, over 3.6 billion had been spent on free schools. Now, I don't know when it started, the spending on free schools. The I, government th- initiative. I think it's 2010. Since 2010? I mm. think. So, I mean, obviously divided, that's, that's, that's quite a low amount maybe per year if that's been spread across. Um, we'd have um, to read more into it. But um, in thinking about that, I was just... I, it pushed me to think about when I was uh, near the beginning of my teaching career and I was switching schools just at the time of the coalition government coming into power. Yeah. And the new school, my second school that I went to was in line for what was called building schools for the future, which is obviously taking some of that education budget and putting it towards basically refurbing schools that were built in the fifties or earlier to make them more fit for purpose. 
and uh, just looking at a few articles and maybe just doing a little bit of head maths and not really thinking too in depth about it. But back when they uh, uh, came into power, they scrapped Building Schools for the Future, which would have been a 20-year program uh, seeing over uh, nearly 1,500 schools benefiting so these are existing schools benefiting from money to help them revitalize their sites. Uh, and that was at a cost of 55 billion. Yeah. Uh, and that would have been spread across 20 years. So it's about two and a half billion a year of our education budget going towards that. And in order for the, the incoming government with Michael Gove at the helm to make some cuts, they completely cut that and they made it obviously a big song and dance about how they were cutting back money to save us uh, in austerity and all this kind of stuff. But then, obviously, the money is then being redistributed because it's in the budget, and they're putting it towards free schools, which are generating new sites when we've probably got enough stock already. So it's wasting money in that way. We've also got the extra support they give to the groups that want to set up the free schools because they can apply for budgets to help them set up and get governing bodies and trustees and employ new staff. Uh, And with the nature of how schools are, anything new is always more desirable than anything that's established. And I I feel like it's just, it's shifting the money to something to create an overstock over too many schools, particularly in London, as you said. Uh, And I've got experience of that. My school that I was at uh, for quite a while went through three rounds of redundancy, all due to a falling role. And one of the flagship free schools in West London, the West London free school was probably a contributing a factor to the the falling role, uh, regardless of Ofsted and mm. sort of outcomes for the students that are published um, and sort of community perception, they had more choice. So, of course, they not only had the free school, there were other academies that were popping up. Mm. And it's just the management of where these schools are being put. They always try and say, oh, it's to meet demand. Yeah, well, I think Toby Young was very clear it was to meet the demand of middle-class parents who didn't want to pay for their education privately they just wanted something better than what was on offer and rather than contribute to the schools that existed Mm. and to try and help make them better they just want to start from scratch and then the government gave them money to do it yeah because um and and it has been shown that actually they're they're not they have not been put into areas where the need is the greatest and that is a fact and um i mean Again, from Schools Week, um, and uh, they they did a Schools Week. Um, it's about a year ago now, actually. Um, but they did a um, they looked at a new report from the Education Policy Institute, who analysed the latest data on free schools, mm-hmm. and they came up with some really interesting points. And their key six find their, their six key findings were that there are hardly any free schools. They're, they they uh, um, number around um, something like um, 2% of all state schools. Mm-hmm. But the majority of them are in London. Mm-hmm. Um, not enough data exists to reach robust conclusions about the effectiveness of the free schools. Um, uh, free school pupils are more likely to speak English as an additional language, but less likely to have special educational needs. Free schools aren't letting in enough pupils from poor backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, free schools don't serve their local area as much. Um, and 
the Newsweek have then said, you know, uh, sorry, Schoolsweek have said three other findings to watch carefully. More places were built in areas that had good schools. Uh, and free schools are the least popular with parents. And I, I, I can, I can uh, obey with that because certainly where, where I am, um, parents don't go to those free schools. They don't trust them. Mm. They will firstly go to a state school before they go to a free school. Mm. Um, uh, well, I've got a stat here from the National Audit Office uh, from 2017, February. It found that 57,500 of the 113,500 new places in mainstream free schools that have opened between 2015 and will open up to 2021 will it is, it is analyze the data and it will create spare capacity in the immediate areas of some of the institutions, which for me means the schools that are existing in the areas, yeah, uh, they're going to be fighting over the, the children to attend their schools and affect their budgets. I think, th- I mean, they are going to fight over them. Um, I'm just looking here again. The DFE spent 93 million, I'll say that again, hmm. 93 million on external free schools advisors. It's just, uh, it's mind boggling, isn't it? Mm. Here's what I think is going to happen with free schools. Um, and I think it's, I think it's just going to be irrespective of who gets into power next. I would say that, uh, if, if Labour got into power, this is just going to happen sooner than if the Conservatives get back into power. Free schools, um, it's the beginning of the end because this model is not sustainable. Um, and it was an ideal um, devised by Michael Gove mm. uh, that is just not going to continue. You cannot, if, if you're looking at it as a business model, which which is what they do, you cannot continue to afford to plough that amount of money into such a small uh, selection of schools where those schools are not getting filled. And actually they're not really producing any, any, any results for either the pupils or the parents. Free schools will go. They're going to be the first things to go. We'd have to do another program on academies. I've got a mixed view on academies. My view on academies differ. I mean, I'll have a, I have a different view from academies as primary schools. They don't work. That's a fact. Yeah. But they may work as secondary schools. I, 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 I'm not, I'm, I'm not in favour of them, but I have seen academies work. Mm, particularly at secondary. In secondary schools, do. yeah. I, they, it, they do tend to work. Um, but again, that's that's another discussion. Mm. Um, so I think what we need to do, Ian, I think we need to start up our own political party. Mm-hmm. Let's call it the outrage party. And let's have the first thing as on our education. Uh, we'll have to appoint an education spokesperson yeah uh but i think that on that manifesto free schools are, are out of here yeah well just interestingly um where i grew up in south harrow around the corner um screaming lord such had his house number oh. 10 parkfield road oh. south harrow i could be inspired oh it was <laughs> okay good good
I've been teaching since 2005, so I've beat all those anniversaries where I might have quit um, over the years, the two-year, the five-year, the ten-year. And uh, I trained back in 2005, uh, initially as a bit of a sort of uh, rebound situation where I ended the relationship, didn't know what I was going to do. But prior to that, I'd always had a, a, a big... Uh, involvement in working with young people and I've even recently looked back at my national record of achievement that I wrote in 1996 and it said I wanted to do work in drama or theatre working with young people and like I was like wow I actually became a teacher and ticked that one off well done um so I that's why I became a teacher um I probably would have become a teacher a bit earlier if I wasn't a silly uh petulant young man saying no to my mum my mum is also a teacher and she was telling me from the age of 18 that I should really consider going into teaching uh, and I probably said no on many occasions before I actually changed my mind and went into it um, and I really enjoyed the training PGC route into teaching lovely first job learning the ropes in a very well uh, resourced drama department and then I went into a more challenging situation which I really loved doing and I'm now at another third school with a lovely facility resources studio and it's an all-girls school which is a brand new thing for me um but as part of my when they always ask you when you go for your pgc who your favorite teacher was and why um and i've thought about this for the podcast as well and it was a gentleman called mr quested who was the history teacher and uh i can't put my finger on exactly why he was my favorite teacher he was just very charismatic uh really curly gray hair um had a piano in the classroom which he was known to just open up and play randomly at at intervals he also used a snooker cue quite liberally smashing it down on tables to get people's attention um and i just remember him having one of those chalkboards that were revolving round and round and like he, he it was just quite mesmerizing watching him write in chalk like what would have probably been about two a4 sides in one hour whilst we were just listening to him commentate on what he was writing. It was fascinating. And it was just, yeah, he was a bit mad, I reckon. But it was really good fun. And I think what stuck with me is that on my Tudors and Stuarts test in year eight, I got 100% because I was really paying attention. Um, And then, uh, obviously, I'm just going to run through the questions I've got. So my favourite single album. I'm a bit of a, I've got a terrible memory. I'm really bad at having like classical favorites. So I always pick up new things that I sort of become my favorites. Um, it's really hard to sort of like be nostalgic because I feel like I'm always changing my opinions and my feelings towards things. And uh, this this track I, I fell in love with after watching a production of The Seagull um, in the theater that used this for the sort of soundtrack to it. It was brilliant. The Seagull, um, which is by, oh my God, Chekhov or Ibsen, one of the two. It's a naturalistic play, but it was done in a really interesting way, and it used Max Richter's um, arrangement of the four seasons. And so I'm sat in the theatre, and I'm listening to this, I'm like, I recognise that, but it doesn't sound like what I recognise. And then after that moment, as well as having to use it to sort of um, evaluate the performance with some of my students, I found that it was a wonderful piece of music just to sit down, listen to, either with nothing to do, or with something more purposeful. It found it really carried me through doing purposeful things like marking. Um, my favourite book is Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings. I'm reading it again right now. It's just pure escapism. Love it. I prefer it more. To the, I, I don't really, 
I prefer it to the movies because I'm reading it and I'm again just reminding myself of stuff that's dropped from the movies. I'm like, yeah, never going to be good enough to try and put it into the screen. You've got to have it in your head to really get something out of it. Um, my favourite film is not Lord of the Rings. Um, it's Rogue One. Um, again, I can't say, yeah, I've got loads of films that are really old that I really love, but I kind of would watch that again and again, Rogue One, because it just, it was really clever because it kind of, it tapped into my previous favourite films from the Star Wars sort of franchise and it it filled a massive gap and it was really clever and it was standalone as well in the in the universe that I really love. And I thought, wow, they really worked hard on that one. They're not so great on some of the others, but um, that one's going to stay in my collection of watching like, every Christmas and then I'll get my daughter into it and then I'll make her watch the really old ones and see if she can sustain herself. Um, and then my favourite mag paper is, obviously I'm like a typical modern person. I don't really buy any papers or magazines anymore. It's all online on my phone. And the sort of magazine or the blog that I always read and I always want to read what news is coming through on there is the Ask blog because I'm a big Arsenal fan. Thank you very much. Um, and the Ask blog is a well-established blog, really good articles. And it, it, it's not just about Arsenal's first team. They look at the youth team, the women's team. Uh, they even give some articles about past uh, heroes. And it's just, it's brilliant. Become an Arsenal fan. Read Ask blog. Um and there's the end of my uh, favourites. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, T boy. Yeah, right, so I'm to say that. We need to decide I'm not a T boy. Yeah, but we can uh, say that. In the, we, I'm not a trans. Yeah. So, <laughs> so what? So I can. Oh, so if there's I, nothing wrong with that, David. So, so, no, 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 so if I say thanks, thanks, Ian. Yep. Thanks, T boy. No, not okay because you oh, just sorry. said you're not. You're okay. not a T boy. You're I'm not happy. You're not happy with that. Refreshments. Yeah, and makes good tea. It's very good tea. Yeah, and uh, we'll do this again soon. And we'll go out with this. <laughs> <laughs>